This episode of Chicago's Bravest Story is brought to you by Zoll Medical and Zoll EMS and Fire. Okay, we're back. Welcome to Chicago's Bravest Stories. We have a roll call here that I think people are going to find fairly um, interesting. And with the anniversary of Our Lady of Angels Fire, which was uh, December 1st, 1958, uh, we have somebody uh, who's directly related to that fire, I guess you could say. Right, Annie? Yes, that was uh, my father, uh, Richard Scheid, was the firefighter in the picture. So just so that, and we'll post this picture on our uh, social media, but I don't think anybody's going to have a problem realizing what picture we're talking about. It's a truly iconic picture, and it embodies a lot of the fire service, and that, that picture, to say it's iconic, it doesn't really do it justice. He, your father is coming out holding a child, and um, I can't only imagine what was going through your dad's head because that was toward, from my understanding, toward the end of that that fire where they were starting to pull the kids out. Yeah, yeah, that was the yeah the rescue phase of it, which yeah they were they were all carrying you know uh, a lot of them out at that time, uh, and uh, yeah it, that just happened to be the photographer happened to be at that particular spot at that moment and yeah and then the, the rest is history in uh, 1958 where was your dad assigned uh his his fire house was uh, where he's out of uh, uh on state street uh let me get the exact um i got my uh, notes here i just want to make sure uh, um rescue squad stationed at 209 north dearborn street okay 209 North Dearborn. So he had to, from where the fire was, he had to go a pretty good ways to get to this fire. Yeah, every every firehouse had an alarm that day. Uh, they were, everybody was on their way there. So uh, once they realized what was going on, uh, you know, that that uh, there was a, a full, full alarm in the city that got, that got everybody going. Yeah, and for frame of reference, that fire, there was 92 students that perished and three nuns um, yeah. at that fire. Did... Yeah, oh, no. Yeah, I believe that, that's pretty accurate there. Yeah, those numbers are right. Did your dad talk to you after that fire? Uh, no. He, you know, at the time, he had uh, my... Uh, maybe there was three or four of my siblings that were, were born. Um you know, one of my oldest brothers and my sister Nancy, and um, yeah, there was two other who were they were young. My, my brother Richard at the time was eight years old, so so I didn't come along for a few more years. But um, did but your brother ever was, talk uh, to you about your dad uh, uh, saying anything about that fire? No, it was really never brought up because it was really just something that he had to kind of bury back in his conscious mind, I believe, because you know that was like. You talk about, I guess, PTSD wasn't even right. something that was, uh, yeah, used in those days. And he just had to um, go to work the next day and, and just sort of uh, put it put it in the back of his mind. Which um, I know that he was he was emotional about it. I hear from my relatives that were around at that time that he was he was very upset about it. What? Uh, how many years had your dad had on at the time of that fire? 
that was probably about 10 years and um, you know maybe 1950 maybe so eight or ten years he okay was, uh, yeah he, he had um even at marine he came out of the marine corps and, and uh came back to chicago and then uh um, he, he got on the fire department what what made him want to join the fire department any family or anything like that he has uh, three brothers um, that were ahead of him. Um, he was the youngest in his family, and, and um, yeah, he had uh, he had three brothers that were uh, that were on. Also, uh, my uh, my uncle Pete, and my uncle Eddie, and my uncle Chuck were were on as well. Any of those guys uh, so, go yeah. to the fire with your dad? They were actually not on duty you know it turns out he was he was only on duty at the time and uh, so he was uh he was you know i don't know if there was a, you know maybe they didn't put brothers on the same ship or anything uh you know just for that reason maybe so in case something didn't happen um right. you know I, I don't know how you know but uh yeah i think he was uh he was the only one of the four that were on that was on duty at the time okay after that fire he went on to have a pretty long career with the Chicago Fire Department, and he retired as a captain. Uh, did he yeah. st- did he um, stay mostly in that area, or is he bouncing around? Where where did he wind up? Yeah, he he, he spent time at, at quite a few different um, firehouses. Um, you know, he was stationed during like what when uh, when I was uh, you know aware you know and around for. Uh, he was at like uh, 46th and Cottage Grove in that area, and then worked at 95th and Charles, uh, which is um, about near where we near where we lived. And and, uh, and he spent some time, you know, kind of floating around. Um, and as a captain, I think they moved him, you know, from place to place. And in some of the neighborhoods uh, that were, you know, uh, seemed like they were, you know, constantly, um, you know, on call for. Or just about anything you can imagine, um, and uh, yeah, kept them pretty busy. Do you know who was who it was that took that iconic picture of your father? The photographer. I want to say his name. Let me make sure here. Uh, I'm actually looking at the book that was written by this guy, um, and um, let me just double check so I don't get the name wrong, because um, it was pretty important. Um, and uh, it was the authors of this book. Um, called To Sleep with Angels, uh, The Story of a Fire. It's uh, David Cowan and John Kunster. And um, let me just verify that. Uh, I want to say John Kunster was the photographer uh, that was in the scene at the fire at the time uh, that that photograph was taken. And he took the picture. Okay. Yeah. As you got older and the anniversary of the, uh, the fire would reoccur when was it that you realized that your father was in this photo that that was your father yeah I, yeah i i probably was pretty aware of it say like when i was around 10 years old which would be like 1976 um which i was just aware of it because of not necessarily he, he didn't bring it up but it, it was always talked about and you know in my family circle you know and, and uh, my aunts and uncles, and we had a pretty big family, so uh, it was brought up, and, and he never really initiated any conversations about it um, in those days. And um, you know, it, it took uh, it took quite a while for him to be able to, to start to talk about it. In fact, uh, 
the two guys that wrote that book, uh, To Sleep With Angels, um, it took them a long time to write the book because they couldn't get information out of really anybody, um, you know, to get to get the uh, thing written. You know, it took them quite a few years to actually get that published. Uh, so, and that was, you know, just because those, they weren't really, they weren't really willing to talk about it because of how bad it was on that scene. Uh, but, so, yeah, I, um, yeah, you know, probably around mid, mid-80s is when, uh, you know, you started hearing more about it. The book came out, you know, in the early 90s. And there was a few, yeah. The so, uh, the picture, the the boy that your father is carrying in the picture is a 10-year-old yeah. boy named John Joukowsky. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that sounds about right, yeah. Did you guys have any, did your father or your family have inter- any interactions with the Joukowsky family? Yeah, there was, um, I, you know, I, I don't think... Not directly, and I know there was some family members that contacted him through letters, and you know, um, I know that there was many other victims and, and some, you know, families that that had contacted my father over the years. You know, always it just seemed to always be around on the anniversary uh, where he would get letters from people that had just, you know, uh, always been, I guess, uh, supportive of him. You know, uh, knowing that that he went through some, uh, you know, the, how, how bad things were for, for all of the firefighters that day. And, uh, yeah, he, he did have contact with, with some of the, uh, uh, you know, family members and and, uh, and and some of the people that were rescued also uh, contact him and, and send letters. Well, his tragic has the 95 individuals that passed away on that day. There were some yeah. amazing saves that were made as well. And we kind of, those are kind of, the deaths kind of overshadow the the saves that, I mean, there were, you know, hundreds of firefighters on the scene of this fire. And your father, because of this picture, kind of went to the forefront of all those guys. And he, that picture represented the good majority of the firefighters that day. And I'm, I'm sure knowing some of the firefighters from that era that, that's not anything he really wanted or um, tried to grab onto. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by Sports and Ortho. Please visit us at sportsandortho.net. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by the Frontline Team. And their phone number is 630 630- Five three four twenty nine hundred. You guys can also email them at the frontline team at the federal savings bank.com. Right. Yeah. He was not, it wasn't a, a source of pride or anything like that. Uh, that particular, you know, moment in time was, was probably his, you know, uh, uh, it was probably the uh, most grief, you know, grief stricken, you know, uh, moment on the fire department for him. Um, and there's been many other, in other fires throughout the years too that he had probably you know seen you know uh, equally uh, sad tragic things that happen uh, like that and I know um, he has so many friends on the fire department um, and uh, yeah and he he always said that that represented all all of the, the men that he worked with that, that you know they were they all went through the same terrible uh, uh, um, things that day and and uh, yeah, he, he, you know, he, he knows that 
you know, he, he never took, he wanted it, he never wanted it to be like a publicity thing for him. Uh, felt that it was, uh, you know, it just represented all, all first responders that, that come upon those types of uh, situations. Why do you, why do you think, when you look at that photo, why do you think that photo has stood the test of time? Oh, it, it was, uh, it, it brought upon our, uh, in, in, in our society, it, it came up, it, it just made so many great advancements in, in fire safety in, in schools and in buildings throughout the entire country. It was like the, the, um, the you know, that just, you know, that fire that day made people realize how serious, like, stairwells needed to be, you know, made a certain way so that smoke couldn't get into them during fires and people could escape safely and, you know, uh, the way doors opened. Uh, there were so many things that, that were learned uh, during that fire uh, that, that have made our building so much safer now uh, and has prevented so many more deaths um, uh, through, you know, so many different safety measures that, that have come up just because of that day. And that picture was used as, you know, for years and years, uh, just as, you know, the cornerstone image of, of uh, how important it was to create safer buildings uh, through, through uh, you know, the uh, construction and, you know, the uh, fire sprinklers and everything else uh, that, that have come up since that, that day. Did you ever consider following your father's footsteps? Yes, I, uh, I had... Uh, tried in you know during the years of uh, probably in the late 80s I was I was on the, the list to get on uh, the fire department and um, it just it, it really it the timing didn't necessarily work out for me I had to be a certain age to take the test so I had to wait a few years and at the time I, I got into the trades myself I became a, a plumber and um, you know, I was working full-time and um, I did I did try and uh, it was, it was it's, it's not an easy thing to do to, to, to get hired on uh, the fire department. You really have to um, kind of get lucky uh, and, um, to get in there. So um, and it, didn't, it didn't really work out for me. Uh, but yes, I, I did want to. Did, was your father encouraging you to, to join up or had that tragedy kind of sour his outlook on the fire service? No, he, 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 was, uh, he was supportive me trying to get on and uh yeah he would, i think he would have been very proud for me or any one of my brothers uh to get on um and you know over the years it, it just um didn't work out for really any of us to get in there but uh and yeah no i, I know he would have been proud of it he loved the job um he loved the the uh the camaraderie that he had with, with all the all the uh people that he worked for um so and i know that uh he made me, you know, want, want to be part of that. And I felt that, you know, seeing how he was there, I can use that in, in uh, working in the trades and working on the construction sites and, you know, having the camaraderie with, with the guys I work with, too. And I, I know, it's, uh, you know, it's like a, it's, it's, a, it's a band of brothers sort of kind of thing going on where it makes you, uh, you know, kind of love your job a little more. Is there anything that you could tell us about your dad that people don't know? Give give us a couple like stories about your dad. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I got to know him pretty well. Uh, you know, in his retirement years, he retired in, in eighty five or eighty six, and um, and right around the time that I became 
you know, a plumber and I was moving on with my life. I got, you know, graduated high school. And, yeah. And I got to, you know, I lived in the house with them. I'm the youngest of all his kids. And so I got to spend quite a bit of time with him. And yeah, I, I, uh, I saw him, you know, uh, he's always the guy that was taking care of, you know, anything. Uh, somebody had a, uh, needed a water heater changed or they needed something done at their house. He was the guy that stepped up and, uh, took care of it. And, um, you know, we had uh, many uh, many snowstorms that we would go up and down the block with a big snowblower and take care of everybody's driveways and sidewalks. And uh, uh, you know, he was just uh, the guy that uh, was was there for whoever needed him. Uh, and and um, yeah, and you know, I, I uh, remember you know seeing that photograph. You know, all the time was I, I never brought it. I never really brought it up around him my younger days just because I knew it made him upset so but over the years there were many other tragedies that that came up um, going back to all the way back to um, when the uh, Oklahoma City bombing occurred and a picture of a, a firefighter came up uh, carrying a child out of that uh, that scene uh, that just I, I my father just started crying when he saw that because it, he knew that was almost the exact image that, that right that the, was the, the the pictures are very similar they're very similar and 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 i happened to be there at the time we were watching that and uh and i saw him literally just start to tear up and cry he, he knew what that guy was, was going through when he was carrying that kid out and uh so and, and uh we've seen that played out in other uh, other uh events too and and uh, I remember uh, uh, down in Texas, there was a little girl that fell into a well. Um, you know, it's probably back in the early 90s, I think this happened. Uh, baby Jessica, it's, right? Baby Jessica, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and there was a big a big scene of, you know, first responders there and keeping her alive until they could figure out a way to get her out. Finally, they got her out. I happened to be there then, too, and I saw my dad. He was crying again. <laughs> he was so happy. But, you know, it was just one of those uh, moments that um, you could tell he was reliving all the times that he had, you know, done those exact same things. And, and um, 9-11 was another one um, that really, I saw him very emotional um, when the, the two towers came down. And um, there was just so much, so much tragedy there but and um the one thing that really i remember him reacting to so you know uh he was so sad about was the uh it was a, a fire chaplain that was um that, that passed away during the, the rescue operation you know going on at 9-11 and he, my dad was so he was you know he, he loved the chaplain for the chicago fire department and he saw them carrying um this guy out of the uh wind power uh, rubble and, and I, you know he just uh, he lost his sense he was very emotional about that stuff so. yeah I think was that um, uh, Michael Judge yep that was him and, and yeah there was a, a big 60 minutes profile on that whole thing and not too long ago maybe a few months ago it was on uh, and it just uh, you know it was something that that um, Every image that we saw during all those events, you know, were just made, you know, were, were, were hard to, were hard to, you know, to see. And, and uh, 
I think it's just for guys like him and, and guys that have been, you know, in those situations, it's even harder. How many years did your dad um, wind up putting in with the fire service? I'd say 35. 35? 35, 36 years, yeah. Yeah. He was able to retire around 19, or when he was around 55 years old. I know you have some notes in front of you. Do you have a timeline of your father so people listening can be like, oh, I, I was at that house, uh, you know, I'm there now? Oh, yeah. Um, I I would put his years of service on the fire department from around 1950 to uh, about 85 or 86, I think. He, he may have been... 57 or 58 years old uh, when he retired, um, you know, in that range. But yeah, his, his years of service, it, 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 um, 1950 was the beginning, and in um, 85 or 86 was, was when he finished. Um, when that picture was taken, he was with the squad. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he was with what they called um, the uh, they called it the busy wagon. Actually, that you know he was a uh, the, the rescue squad, and. Um, they were one of the, you know, it was just a group of guys that, that went in and did the, you know, the kind of stuff that you were, you know, go in to rescue, uh, you know, a car accident. And he, he always talked about um, the, uh, uh, there was a, uh, a CTA accident that occurred. Um, I can't remember what year that was. And, and it's mentioned in, in some of the, uh, some of the other uh, articles that were written about. You know, um, in those days, it was it was pretty serious. It, 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 it occurred, you know, uh, train derailment, and a lot of people were. It was really horrific scene, also, and he was on that too. But um, and it, and it um, but yeah, that rescue squad were the guys that you know they would they had all the you know the stuff to break through walls, the saws to cut through whatever. And they just you know they had to go in. You know, the, the, the school there was no doors that were. They could not go through any doors to get into the classrooms to rescue anybody because the doors were were not able to be opened. So they had to actually break through walls to get into each classroom to get into to, to assess the situation and to get to victims. And uh, that's what those guys specialize in. Man, it's uh, it's crazy to think what what was going on during that fire. Not just like trying to execute these rescues, but also dealing with what you were seeing second yeah. to second up there. Yeah. I, I oh. heard a story. It was in one of the books that um, of a firefighter was up on the one of the upper floors, and he was telling another firefighter that, hey, be careful. The, or the uh, floor is spongy. It's, it's real soft over here. Be careful. Don't fall through. And mm-hmm. when they got a light up there, he was actually standing on bodies. Oh, true. Yeah. And um, yeah. that that was something in this book that I think that he had he was privileged to have information because I don't think somebody would just offer that up for a book. No, yeah, <laughs> no, I know, um, yeah. Uh, that the whole, I mean, those the guys that were on the scene right away basically had to get the fire out. I know, uh, and that was when all the calls went out to get the rest of us many out there as they could. And yeah, that yeah being. The guys that came in after the fact that the, the, the classrooms had several inches of water in them, they were flooded because of you know the, the um, you know the, uh, the, the hoses were you know running constantly to get the fire out initially. So 
and um, yeah, they, they had to deal with that too. So they were they were walking through water, and it was, I'm sure it was dark, and, uh, and it was not a good scene uh, uh, for for them. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, well, another thing in that that book that I read was that the nuns just told the kids to put their heads down and pray. There was no yeah. plan to evacuate or anything like that. It was very um, religious for for the nuns that God will will get us out of this situation. And um, I remember reading that it was put your heads down and pray, and we'll get out of this. Yeah, it, you know, and I've heard that. I've heard that too, and I know um, that you know uh, one of the first things that. Um, in, in one of the stories uh, that was it was written, uh, it was a newspaper article that was written a couple of days after um, the the fire, and you know the the one scene uh, that they they mentioned in there was the fact that um, they entered the room and saw a dozen children huddled together, and 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 there was a nun lying over the children as if she was trying to protect them. Um, none of them were burned, but they had suffocated because of. The, the smoke and and, and um, that's what you know they were um, uh, the scene is something you know he was burned into a frame that, that, that the nun was probably un, unable to do anything for anybody and they she just put herself over the you know in that particular classroom and, and there was nothing anybody could do at that particular time uh, for them that was you know um, there was nowhere to go nowhere to get no way to get out uh, did, yeah. did you or your family go to the survivors reunion? I think they do it at Hillside. The, the survivors uh, have been going out there for years and doing a memorial. Okay. Uh, okay. Was, was no, your father I, involved, involved in any of that? We were the, the only, uh, I believe in, in, in 2008, there was a, uh, there was a mass uh, at a church. I, I believe it was, uh, it was in a city near, uh, Boy, the, the, I can't think of the name of the church right now, but uh, and I that was the last time I remember going to like a memorial because it was like a 50 year anniversary. Um, and um, but besides that, no, I haven't been to any of the uh, other events that they've had. Did people recognize your father? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's especially since that you know, he at that particular I mean, his face was. You know, almost like he, he looks the same. He looks the same. You know, <laughs> over the years, he came in that picture. But yeah, he, <laughs> and, and so many people did recognize him. And you know, and and, um, and I, I mean, I, you know, uh, that he was. When you talk about like his time on the fire department, like those years that he worked, if you ask anybody um, that was a firefighter at that time, they knew who he was. Uh, he, he was very well known and very, you know, uh, had a. Had a um, a great, you know, uh, didn't necessarily know them personally, but everybody knew who Dick Guy was. Yeah. What <laughs> is there? You know, let's let's leave all the the tragedy behind for a minute. Uh, did your father share any like humorous things during his time on the on the job? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know his uh, his his time there. I know, like they're twenty four hours on, and, and you know they. Had, uh, three days off, but while they were at the firehouse, there was always, uh, you know, the, the normal stuff that goes on with guys just being around, you know, uh, and 
and I know that there was everybody had a nickname. You know, one guy was, you know, was, they called him the pear because he was shaped like a pear. <laughs> you know, like, you know, there was, you know, one guy was, uh, you know, a white knight because he was, just, you know, uh, had the, you know, the gray hair and he was just the, you know, the dashing firefighter. You know, and and, um, and they all had, you know, some kind of a. Uh, uh, guy, you know, what do you want to call it? Like the, the, the male body kind of thing going on. Uh, Anybody the, give your dad a nickname? Uh, I, he was just always Dick Stride. Uh, <laughs> or, or, or Captain Stride, then, you know, when he became a captain, he, you know, he was Captain Stride. So, uh, but, uh, and other than, you know, whatever, uh, they probably, they may have had other ones that I, I never heard. But, uh, <laughs> He, he, uh, he, he may have had a couple that uh, he couldn't even repeat maybe <laughs> on the air, but uh, right, right. <laughs> they all seem to have those. Yeah. So, but, so uh, your, what year did your father retire? 86. 86. And uh, what house did he retire out of? 95th and Charles. 95th and Charles, okay. And what did he, what did he get into during his retirement? Did he stay here in Chicago or did he... Um, Go somewhere like Arizona, Florida, Tennessee. They uh, they traveled for a few years uh, after they had a place in Arizona that they spend a few weeks out of the year, maybe a couple months out of the year. And uh, but for the most part, they stayed here in Chicago. Um, he was, um, you know, they they owned a apartment building in Oakland that he was always the guy over there working on something, you know, taking care of the the uh, apartment building and you know doing his you know, uh, Mr. Fixed, uh, routine over there. And, uh, he had his house and he, he just, uh, yeah, he always kept busy here in town. Um, and, uh, and they traveled a lot, um, a lot with their, uh, the group of, of friends that he had that were on the fire department with him. Uh, yeah. and, um, yeah. And they, they had a close knit group. Uh, you know, I spent a couple of, of trips, uh, down to Acapulco with that crowd. And, um, I couldn't even see. I was 18 years old, and uh, those they were uh, they were too much for me to handle. Uh, <laughs> uh, they had good, when they went out, they had a good time. They, yeah, they well, had to have fun. So, yeah, well, look what you're <laughs> up against. You know, you yeah, didn't you didn't yeah. have a chance. No, greatest generation, uh, that's for sure. And uh, so I learned a lot from those guys. But, uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending the time and giving us a little history of your father. Uh, by all accounts, uh, an amazing man, Captain Scheid. Um, yeah. And, yep. you know, I, I, I'll let you uh, have the last word about um, your father here while, while we have you um, on uh, close to the anniversary of Our Lady of Angels Fire. Well, I'm, I'm proud to talk about him. I wish, uh, you know, I wish I, was, I had him here with us to, to talk to because he, he had some, uh, so many other great stories. And, and uh, but uh, the, Greatest thing he said was uh, that, that I'll never. He probably said it once, but it seems like he always would say it was that he would he would always leave the job better for the next guy coming in. That was his philosophy in life. So whatever you did to end your day of work was should make it easier for the next guy coming in. And uh, I'll never forget it. And uh, that's something that uh, I'll carry with me forever. All right, that's Chicago's Bravest Stories, Andy Scheid, talking about his father, Captain Scheid, from Our Lady of Angels Fire. Thank you, sir. Thank you. 
This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories brought to you by Illuminated Brew Works, located at 6186 North, Northwest Highway. Available now, Millennial Munchie, which is a 13.5% stout made with peanut butter, coconut, and cocoa. Available December 10th, Astronaut Ice Cream. And as always, Tuesday night is Trivia Night at Illuminated Brew Works. Stop by, have amazing beer, 6186 North, Northwest Highway, Illuminated Brew Works, next door to the car wash. The opinions and views are that of Chicago's Bravest Stories and their guests. They do not necessarily reflect the views of any municipal governments, fire protection districts, fire departments, EMS, or law enforcement organizations.